Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Brilliant Podcast. My name is Kim, and in today's episode, I am discussing the 11th series finale of Doctor Who entitled The Battle of Ranskor Avkolos. This episode aired on Sunday, December 9th, 2018, and it was written by showrunner Chris Chibnall. This is the sixth episode Chris Chibnall has written this season. So, I was able to actually watch this episode live, and I live-tweeted um, over on Twitter at BrilliantPCast. And here's something cool. The BBC America Doctor Who account retweeted me, and I got like over 100 likes. I said, I still love the new title sequence right at the beginning of the episode, and it got around 60 to 70 likes in the hour or so the episode was on. So that was pretty exciting. Um, It's two days later now when I'm recording, and I'm still getting alerts that I'm getting more likes than that tweet. Anyway, after the title sequence, the episode itself begins without the Doctor or Team TARDIS, but with two people on some planet that we don't know yet. They're about to do something for the sake of the creator, quote-unquote. Um, We learn that the man's name is Delph. We don't know the woman's name yet. We do learn it later. But for now, I'm referring to her just as the woman because we don't know who she is yet as an audience. Uh, So she tells Delph that he has to do something. So he channels some sort of power through his eyes, which glow orange. He's making something by forming some rocks together that are being drawn from around where they both stand. The woman turns around to look behind them. She tells Delph to stop, so he does, and the rocks crumble down to the ground from where they were floating in midair. He turns around too, and they watch energy crackling. The woman says it's not possible as someone appears. They bow their heads, knowing who has appeared in the dust. Then it's 3,407 years later, according to a subtitle on the screen. Now we are in the TARDIS. The Doctor is dealing with nine distress signals coming into the TARDIS, all from the same area of the same planet. This planet is Ranskor Avkolos. Looking at this title does make me think of Raxacorico Fallopatorius, and even though the Doctor does reference the Slavine in this episode, we don't see them. That would be a good monster to bring back. I know Chris Tibnall didn't want to bring back any old foes, but I think that would be a good one. More of like a minor character. Anyway, the doctor says the rough translation of Ranskor Avkolos is disintegrator of the soul. The doctor says the TARDIS is reading violent psychotropic waves throughout the planet's atmosphere. These waves extremely distort reality and change moods within people's brains. The doctor hands out neural balancers for the gang to wear while they're on the planet to keep them immune to the psychotropic waves. They're worn on the side of the forehead. She warns them to keep them on at all times. When they first put them on, all I could think of was the episode when the 11th doctor kind of gets taken over by Cybermen and he's got that device on the side of his head. Kind of like that. Not really. Anyway. The Doctor has locked the TARDIS onto a craft on Ranskarav Kolos' surface, so they materialize there. They step out into the ship, which is one of the ones that sent a distress signal. 
It appears to be abandoned, but the doctor identifies cryosleep chambers. She wonders who sent the signal, and Yaz says, Doctor? And the doctor turns around to find a gun pointed at her. The man holding it steps into the light and asks who they are and what the TARDIS is. The doctor points out the sign on the front that they respond to urgent calls and that he looks like an urgent call. I like that she actually pointed out the outside of the phone box here. The other times that come to mind where we actually focused on this was when the text just all said bad wolf all over it, or I think the 11th doctor answered the phone on the outside of the box one time. Um, I feel like it's just usually the new companions being like, well, why does your ship look like a police box? They don't usually read the text. Anyway, the man asks, did they send you? And the doctor asks who he means. She says they can't be with them, reminding the man they just arrived on this planet. She asks if it's just him there on the ship. He doesn't know. And he asks, what's happened to me? The man says he should have left and can't remember his name. He knew it before he went outside. He says there was a battle outside, so he must have been affected by the psychotropic waves on the planet. He again raises his gun to the doctor, asking who she is and how she got there. She reminds him that they were just talking and that they just arrived. She says they want to help him and gives him a neural balancer to put on. In front of the TARDIS, Yaz, Graham, and Ryan check out the ship's computer system, which shows them the rest of the crew on a screen. There are four people in total, including the man the doctor is talking to, who is the commander. They wonder if he killed the rest of the crew. The doctor comes over and is able to power up the ship's engines. She wonders why the commander didn't leave. He walks over and says his name is Peltraki, remembering. An alarm sounds. It's a message to Peltraki. It's the woman from 3,407 years ago telling him he must return to them, as commanded by the creator. Another voice says Peltraki, and Team Tardis recognizes it as Zimshaw. Tim Shaw, as the doctor called him. He comes on the screen, demanding something return to him. He tells Peltraki to return what he took, or he'll destroy his crew. Tim Shaw kills a woman on screen who tells Peltraki not to come back. Now there are two of his crew left. Tim Shaw gives him until nightfall to return what he took. The woman again tells Peltraki to do as the creator desires. The message ends. Ryan asks if it really is Tim Shaw, if it's the same one. The doctor says she doesn't know. Yaz says she thought Tim Shaw was dead, but the doctor says she sent him back to where he came from using his own recall device. They don't understand why he's there. Graham asks Peltraki who the girl was, and he remembers that her name was Umsang. They fought alongside each other. The doctor asks what he took, but he says he didn't take, but he recovered. He shows her a big piece of crystal that has something moving inside of it. It's sitting on a table. Upon scanning it with a sonic screwdriver, she says all she's getting is contradictions. She tries to guess what it might be. The sonic tells her it's extremely dense, with a stasis lock embedded in its biostructure. She doesn't understand it, because it's Stenza technology. Again, stupid Stenza technology, remember from the first episode. Brian picks up a mapping device that has targets and other things marked on it. 
The doctor takes it and says it's the mission briefing. They decide to go with Paltraki to help him retrace where he was. Graham says they've got unfinished business with that monster. The doctor picks up the crystal casing, not understanding how she can lift it, seeing as it's so dense. She says they'll figure out why it's so important, and they'll help find Paltraki's crew. She asks Graham if he's okay, but he doesn't really answer. Outside, the doctor says Ranskorev Kolos isn't the Stunza's home planet, so asks how that can be Tim Shaw. Graham asks for a word in private with the doctor, so they hang back from the group. He says he will kill Tim Shaw if he can, because it killed Grace. The doctor tells him to go back to the TARDIS, but he says no. The doctor says she won't let him kill Tim Shaw, and he's better than this, and he has to be better than this. She tells him if he kills Tim Shaw, he can't travel with her anymore, if he lives through it. He says he understands, but she says he doesn't. The doctor says they're going to rescue the hostages, and anything that compromises them is dangerous. She says killing Tim Shaw makes Graham the same as him, and she's serious. He walks away, and he says, and so am I. Paltraki says he doesn't remember anything else from before yet, but tries to remember the reason he should have left. They see tons of crashed ships out on the planet's surface. Paltraki tells them to look beyond the ships to the mists, beyond the battlefield to the edifice, which was their destination. It's a tall, narrow structure. Ryan says no one in their right mind would walk through the remains of the battle, but they do, of course. As they get closer to the edifice, they see it's actually floating above the ground. The doctor takes off the backpack filled with gear she borrowed from Paltraki's ship and hands out throat mics, which work like comm dots, which they used earlier this season, to keep in contact with one another. They stick on the side of the neck as well. She also has some grenades, codebreakers to get through doors, and a bomb. She says she'll allow blowing up things that can be rebuilt, like doors and walls, but she would never use them on people. They all have the mapping devices to follow where they're supposed to go. The mapping devices show life signals on them, so the doctor instructs the others to go to that area to rescue the rest of the crew. Graham wants to go with the doctor, who is going off to find Tim Shaw, but she says no. She's taking the crystal device with her to find out what it is and why it's so important to Tim Shaw. She attaches grenades to it as an insurance policy. They have to walk through some water, and the doctor laments not having wellies to wear and mentions thinking she half invented them. If that's not the most British thing ever, I don't know what is. By the way, wellies are rain boots, if you didn't know. They stand directly under the building, and the doctor scans it with the sonic screwdriver. The reading tells her there's an entrance activation field, and they get beamed up into the building, so whoever's inside knows they're there. The group splits up, and Ryan and Graham go off by themselves. Ryan tries to ask Graham what he's planning to do to Tim Shaw, and whether that's what Grace would want. Graham says Grace was really tough and would want to see Tim Shaw dead. Ryan warns him not to destroy what they have, you know, working as a team, Team TARDIS, just because he's still angry. Graham keeps talking, and Ryan tells him to shut up, because a group of sniper bots are headed their way. Remember those? I hate those. 
They start running, but they're surrounded. They duck down as the sniper bots start firing. Ryan and Graham are fine, but the sniper bots have all destroyed each other, so that's good for now. The doctor, alone, comes face to face with the woman from the video, who points a gun at her from the other end of a hallway. The woman asks where the object is, and the doctor says she won't talk while she has a gun pointed at her. The woman doesn't put it down, so the doctor shows her the object with the grenades attached to it and tells her not to shoot, because it could jeopardize whatever the thing is. The doctor asks what it is, and the woman asks where Paltraki is. They ignore each other's questions. The woman confirms Paltraki's other two crew members are still alive. The doctor asks the woman what her name is, and she says she is Andino of the Ux. The doctor is surprised to hear this. The Ux is a duo species with only two of them ever alive with a lifespan of millennia, and they're only found on three planets. The doctor is excited to meet her. She asks what happened there. Andino says they came for the creator and that they defended him. The doctor remembers that the Ux are faith-driven, dimensional engineers. The building they're in is their shrine, and it feels alive, like it has energy running through it. And Dino points her gun directly at the doctor and tells her to surrender the object and go. But the doctor tells her to show her creator her face. She has some sort of video device on her, which shows the doctor to Tim Shaw, who says, bring her to me. And Dino doesn't understand how he can know the doctor. Elsewhere, Peltraki tells Yaz he remembers that his first name is Greston, and he's from a place called Stebble. He remembers his ship was part of the last fleet sent to Ranskorov Kolos by the Congress of the Nine Planets. Some sniper bots come around a corner, but Peltraki is easily able to shoot them. Following their map, they enter a room that has four more of the crystal things, like the one the doctor is carrying. Yaz asks what's inside them and why everyone is fighting over it. Ryan and Graham follow their map to a room with sleep chambers in it. They find one of Peltraki's crew in the first one. There are more than two people in this room, which they only plan to rescue two people. Indinio brings the doctor to Tim Shaw, who is sitting, hooked up to some sort of machine. I was reminded of, like, Darth Vader or Cassandra from, like, the Ninth and Tenth Doctor's days, just in terms of him having some sort of external machines keeping him alive. Plus, he's got a helmet on covering his ugly face. Like, he really just looks awful. Tim Shaw tells Indinio to ready him and that there will be a new target. She goes off leaving the doctor alone with him. He tells her it's been 3,407 years, and he says she sent him back to this place in a weakened state, unable to leave without dying. He's been using the Ux for revenge. Ryan and Graham have two code-breaking devices and 30 chambers to open. Graham wonders whether the people will be killed if the chambers are tampered with because Timshaw is so awful, and Ryan says that's still not an excuse for Graham to go after Timshaw. Graham asks Ryan why he cares about him all of a sudden. Ryan calls him granddad again, but Graham says he was waiting too long for him to call him that and to care. Ryan says, we're family and I love you. 
and that gets Graham's attention. Ryan says Grace used to tell him to be the better man. He wants Graham to be the better man here. Their map device beeps, telling them some sort of alarm has gone off. More sniper bots are coming. The doctor asks Tim Shaw who he was getting revenge on, and he says on her. He says if she hadn't interfered, he would have become leader of the Stenza. Yet he thanks her for making him a god. She says he's not, and asks him what the crystal object is. Yaz talks to her via the comdot microphone and tells her they found four more of those things. Yaz and Paltraki hide as Andinio enters the area they're in. Some lights power up, and she walks up to Dolph, who is attached to some sort of machine. He pleads with Andinio, not wanting to do whatever she's making him do again. She says they only have their faith, and they can't understand the higher plan. Dolph thinks that their faith is wrong, and will destroy them both. And Danio sits down in front of him, and their eyes glow orange again. Yaz asks Paltraki what's going on. The doctor also asks Tim Shaw. He says he has the power of a god. The doctor guesses the Ux built him a weapon. He says the whole building, the shrine, is the weapon. He says he's unstoppable, and the doctor says no one's unstoppable and runs out of the room. He says the weapon is activated. Again, much like Darth Vader, he's got like a Death Star-like contraption here. Tim Shaw says the Stenza held people in stasis as trophies, but their ultimate goal was to hold civilizations. He's finally found the way to do it, and the Doctor gave him his destiny. The Doctor runs into the area where Yaz and Paltraki are, with the Ox doing their thing in the background. The crystal objects are all vibrating now. Paltraki remembers five objects, five planets, one weapon. They stole five planets. The doctor says that's not possible, but Paltraki says the planets were removed from their spatial orbit. The doctor says this would have destroyed all life in planetary genocide. The doctor talks to Tim Shaw through the comm dot and says he's breaking all the laws of the universe, but he says he's rewriting them. He says Stenza technology, with the power of the Ux, can create anything. The doctor tells him every action has consequences. He says these are her consequences. The doctor goes over to the Ux, and she says Tim Shaw is using their powers to create a rip in space-time. She tells Tim Shaw that the planetary masses of five planets cannot exist in the same place at the same time because the technology isn't stable. Bringing another planet here could destroy everything. He thinks she's bluffing. Tim Shaw says he's targeting Earth now. Sniper bots start cutting through the door that Graham and Ryan have secured. The two start getting people out of the sleep chambers two at a time. Tim Shaw is able to see that this is happening. He disconnects all the wires and leads that attach him to that machine that's helping keep him alive, and he roars. The doctor sends Paltraki to get the hostages back to his ship. He says he'll wait for Team Tardis as long as he can. Yaz stays with the doctor, who is trying to figure out a way to stop the Ux. The sniper bots make their way into the room and start to shoot at Graham and Ryan and the hostages. Luckily, Paltraki comes in behind and easily takes down the robots. He takes the freed hostages, and Ryan and Graham stay behind to get the others out. 
waiting for the codebreaker devices to do their thing. Paltracky gives them something to detonate for when more sniper bots come through. It's like another grenade or a bomb or something. The doctor tells Yaz they can't just disconnect the Ux because it might kill them. But Yaz asks what happens to the 7 billion people on Earth if the planet is captured. The doctor says there must be a way to stop it by blocking the signals. They both realize they can use the neural balancers. They have to take off their own temporarily and put them on the Ux. This means the planet's psychotropic waves can get to them. The doctor told everyone not to take off their neural balancers before they got on this planet, but here we are again, the doctor not listening to her own rules. Graham sends Ryan to bring the last of the hostages out of the room. He stays behind so he can detonate the sniper bots as they come through from the other side of the room. He promises he'll be right behind Ryan and the others. The doctor and Yaz place their modified neural balancers on the Ux to block any signal in and out of their heads. It works. Their eyes stop glowing and the beam to Earth is disrupted. And Denio cries out that the doctor is destroying the creator's work. The doctor says Tim Shaw was taking advantage of their faith and that he's met her before. She tells her who she really is. Then the crystal containers for the captured planets begin to crack. The doctor worried this might happen. The sniper bots bust through the door and Graham is ready for them. He says, yippee-ki-yay, robots, and presses the trigger on the explosives remote, destroying them. That reminds me, I need to watch Die Hard because it's almost Christmas, and that is a Christmas movie in my book. The mass is returning to the planets in the crystal containers, so the doctor can't lift them anymore. She says they have to be returned to where in the universe they came from. She asks the Ox if they can return the planets, and Delph says it's possible, and Denio says it would take time. The doctor summons the TARDIS with the sonic screwdriver. She says, Tim Shaw might have a shrine, but I've got a ghost monument. Still in the sleep chamber room, Graham faces away from the camera. Tim Shaw says, you should run. Graham turns, gun in hand. They're about to have a showdown. He says, sorry, Ryan, and we hear the weapon powering up. Outside, Ryan tells the hostages and Peltraki to keep going and catch up with the others. He runs back inside. Graham tells Tim Shaw that Grace died because of him. Tim Shaw just says, good. What a jerk. This guy is literally the worst. He's ugly. He's evil. He says good to that. I mean, come on. He's not like the best evil Doctor Who alien, but I mean, he's a jerk. The TARDIS lands and Yaz and the Doctor take the neural balancers back from the Ux before running into the TARDIS. The doctor instructs Yaz to take some cables from the TARDIS to loop into the systems. The doctor has to extend the dematerialization field. She calls the ox into the TARDIS. Delph immediately understands that the TARDIS is dimensionally transcendental, a bit different than the usual bigger on the inside. The doctor instructs Delph to use the TARDIS's telepathic circuits to show where the planets came from, since he has the coordinates in his mind. I like how she's using her knowledge with the TARDIS's technology in combination with the Ux's powers and Tim Shaw's Stenza technology to do this. Yaz asks if this plan will work. 
The doctor isn't sure, but she says she once towed Earth halfway across the universe with the TARDIS, and she used it to turn a Slovene back into an egg. There's that Slovene reference I mentioned. Tim Shaw tells Graham he's not a warrior. He agrees and lowers the gun. Graham says he's the better man. Tim Shaw calls Graham weak, but before he can get much closer to him, Ryan comes in and says, Don't diss me, Grandad, ever. Graham shoots Tim Shaw in the foot. He tells Ryan not to tell the doctor because she'd be mad. Graham and Ryan fist bump, and Graham says, What do we do now? And Dinio hooks herself into the Stenza systems outside the TARDIS, and Delph is hooked to the telepathic circuits inside. Their eyes glow orange again. They're both in pain, but are able to send the trapped planets back to where they're supposed to be. Graham and Ryan trap Tim Shaw in one of the stasis sleep chambers. Graham says he's not worth killing. Ryan says Tim Shaw is sentenced to life. They tell him to keep one name on his mind. Grace. Tim Shaw growls and they both walk away. The doctor thanks Andinio and Delph for saving the planets. Ryan and Graham come in and see the mess they've made. They tell the doctor that Tim Shaw is in his own stasis chamber now, and Graham says he was too weak to kill him. But the doctor says he's the strongest person she knows. Well, one of a few. On Paltraki's ship, the Ux and Team Tardis tell him what happened. They've brought the TARDIS on board again. The doctor offers to take the hostages home, but Peltraki wants to complete his mission. Delph wants to go with them to find a new home. Andinio asks the doctor where she'll go now. She says, no idea, and says, come on fam, to Yaz, Graham, and Ryan. Ryan thought they weren't doing fam, but Yaz said she likes it now. The fam turns and gets in the TARDIS. Just before going in, the doctor tells the Ux to keep their faith and that the universe will surprise them, constantly. She smiles, gets inside, and they take off. Overall, I think this was a pretty solid episode. Was it the strongest season finale? No, but it definitely had strong points. I liked how we tied into the first episode of the season again, but I just really hate Tim Shaw. He's evil, he's gross, his face just has like all those teeth on it. And he killed Grace. And all he really wants to do is kill people, but at least he's stuck in a stasis chamber somewhere now. He'll probably die in there since he isn't hooked up to his machines anymore. I don't think he had his mask either, which seemed to be something he needed to breathe sometimes. Like we've seen a lot this season, Team TARDIS is using their own individual abilities to work together or work with the secondary characters in each episode to save the day. So in addition to the doctor just being in charge, we've got her friends working hard as well. I'm looking forward to seeing where Team TARDIS will be going to next. We don't have a Christmas special this year, which is a bit odd, but there is one on New Year's Day. Then after that, we won't see any new episodes until 2020. So what's going to happen to this podcast? Well, I'm still trying to plan out content to bring to you, but I think it will be less than once a week. Don't worry though, I won't totally disappear on you. I'm thinking maybe once or twice a month I'll have a new episode. I'll certainly have a New Year's episode of the podcast, and perhaps then I'll have some ideas to share with you. As always, 
I'm going to rank this episode in with the others from this season. I'm going to place this episode in 7th place in my ratings lineup. So, I have The Woman Who Fell to Earth still in 1st, then Kerblam, then It Takes You Away, then Arachnids in the UK, then The Witchfinders, followed by Demons of the Punjab, then this one, The Battle of Ranskarev Kolos, and then we have Rosa, followed by The Ghost Monument, and last is still The Syringa Conundrum. I feel like the writing this season wasn't really consistent, because we have strong episodes that I really liked a lot, and then right after, maybe ones that weren't quite as strong. For example, we had the first episode, The Woman Who Fell to Earth, was really strong, but the second one, not so much. Whereas last week, It Takes You Away, I think was a really strong episode. The writing was great, the story worked out well, and nothing too weird was happening. Whereas this week, the Battle of Ranskarev Kolos was just a little bit of a letdown compared to that. Like, we needed a battle for the end of the season, but I think that they could have written it a little bit stronger. You can subscribe to Brilliant Podcast at anchor.fm slash brilliant dash podcast or on soundcloud.com slash brilliant podcast. You can also find Brilliant Podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Breaker, Pocket Casts, Radio Public, CastBox, and Overcast. You can follow Brilliant Podcast on Facebook and Instagram at Brilliant Podcast or on Twitter at Brilliant PCast, brilliantpodcast.tumblr.com, and you can email me at brilliantpodcast at gmail.com.